0: Just go to indeed.com slash hack it out right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash hack it out. Terms and conditions
1: apply. Need to hire, you need Indeed. Welcome back to the Hack It Out Golf Podcast. I think everyone's calmed down from last week. We've got Greg Chalmers with us again, guest presenter, and we're gonna do the big ten with Greg today. We're gonna to find out who the hell he is Lou? Who is this man? It's I can't Greg wait. Chalmers this this <laughs> golf pro that people talk about well let's find out we've got some fun questions 10 questions we're gonna fire uh, fire at greg let's see what he's got for us today welcome back greg as always you recovered from last week a little uh, bit of a shower, was, wasn't it
2: yeah uh, welcome to the podcast yes um uh, there's <laughs> only my second <laughs> one and uh I did a good job. I thought of just shutting up and listening. So anyway, you did well. it, it yeah. was interesting.
1: Um, I think you did very well. Yeah, it was fascinating who ever week. It, that's the, yeah, that's the uh, podcast. We've, we we went out last week, but you could be listening to this. Anytime we um, had the USGA on talking about the uh, distance debate, for want of a better word in golf. And it was a fun episode. If you haven't watched that one or listened to that one, I should say. Go back and, and look it up. So. Greg, we're going to fire 10 questions at you today, find out who you are. I'm looking forward to this. I'm going to hit you with your first question. So some of them are longer form and short form answers, but feel free to just tell us whatever you think is the best answer. So favourite pro to play with is question number one. I guess you've played with some big names and smaller names, but who would be your favourite pro that you've played with, or if you could choose to play with again?
2: Uh, If I I had my... um... I'll give you three names that pop into my head pretty quickly. Uh, Nick Price,
1: um,
2: beautiful golfer, probably wants you to play better more than you want to play better. Like he's one of those super supportive guys. Like go ahead and knock that in. Hey, great shot there. Like just a super nice guy. Um, I played with him a few years ago at the Honda Classic, and he was, you know, later in his career at that point, he was playing Champions Tour a little bit. Still got phenomenal ball control, like just drove it down a road, just needed to be, if he was a little longer, he'd be competitive to this day. You know, he was just one of those guys, um, just and a lovely man. I really enjoy playing with people like that. Um, Tiger would be on in that group as well, just because of the experience. It, you can't beat it. Uh, the energy and the... I played with him in 2000. First time I played with him was your kid. We played the Eisenhower together um, at the same course that uh, they played the Ryder Cup a couple of years ago. He was 17, I was about 20. Um, oh, great. And then, uh, yeah, so we played that course. Uh, the Eisenhower was like the World Cup for amateur golfers. So top four players from every, every country. So we, I played with him then. We kind of heard about him at that point. And then a few years later, I got, I was first alternate at Memorial and I got him the year he won 10 times. I think it was 2000. I got him the first two rounds with uh, me and Billy Andrade uh, because Craig Stadler had pulled out. And that was – he shot. He won that week. He shot 71-65. And I've never seen anything like it when it came to ball striking and ball control. Um, Just unbelievable shots. In terms of we can all move the ball left to right a long way. He just had the ability to move it two, three yards. Like he hit two shots on the two par threes, the eighth and the 12th holes pins were both back, right. And he moved, hit them both inside five feet water on the right on 12. Um, Both of them moved maybe two yards left to right. Um, And then left pins, they'd move two or three yards left, right to left the other way, just beautiful golf. Um, You know, you can hit it close starting it out over trouble, but his never did, you know, it was just phenomenal control. And I actually, I remember I was talking to Steve Williams that day and I said, Steve, this is, this is some ride you guys are on. And, uh, and I think I think might have been Steve, might have been later in his career. But I remember Steve talking to me about how, you know, what it was like to caddy for Greg Norman when he was driving and a little sidebar. But that was a fascinating conversation we got into as well, talking about how Ooh. good these guys drive the ball. The third person would be someone either like a Boo Weekly um, mm. or a Joey Uh um, Joey Cindelaw, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Joey's yeah. a phenomenal I mean, human being. Yeah. Look, there's lots of great guys. I've seen so much great golf. Um, that I, I really look for either the quality of the person as much as the, in, in, to, to enjoy the day. Um, yeah. but yeah, someone like that, Boo Weekly is probably one of the sneakiest, awesome ball strikers. Like, he goes in my in terms of watching someone hit it from A to B, um, and not have to putt. He goes to uh, he's, he's in my top five all time. He was for I played with him at Phoenix one year, he's a lovely guy, and he just hits the you know. Hits the ball phenomenal. So that'd be top three for me at the moment. Yeah, Um, I like that. Just a yeah. question
1: on Tiger then. Obviously, there's always going to be a follow-on on Tiger. This isn't part mm. of the 10. This is a follow-on from the first one, Lou, if you're wondering what the rules are. Um, how chatty was Tiger? So at 17, I imagine he wasn't that chatty. He was maybe a little, a little bit – because that was his – was that his first year? Was he 17 when he first got on tour? Was that? Was no, that 17
2: was – we are playing the Eisenhower Trophy. We are playing at the – that was the amateur event when he was ah, – uh, okay. that was in 1994, Course. right? Yes. And then yeah, yeah. he turned pro, and I guess he won the Masters, what, 97? and I didn't see him yeah, again yeah, until yeah, 2000. Okay.
1: Um, yeah. So in to, not, when you played yes. in 2000? Yeah, super intense. Chatting? Sorry,
2: Mark. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. most guys, there aren't a lot of, you know, the two other guys I mentioned, they are, you know, they are the kind of guys that will be like, uh, you know, how's your family or, you know, trying yeah. to, you know, yeah. figure things out, uh, have a chat to you. And I'm probably not super chatty either um, mm, unless yep. I know someone pretty well. Um, so, yeah. The they,
1: Tiger's not there for a chat?
2: No. He's there yeah. to, it was very intense. I think that the, thing that, the thing that blew me away, yes, the thing that blew me away was we both shot 71 the first round and they were vastly different, 71s. So yeah. I was in it <laughs> everywhere, right? Anyway, and then I shot 75 and made the cut on the number or something. He shot 65. And I read the quote and he hit two full shots inside a foot and a half, three other shots inside six feet. Beautiful ball striking. Like I've never seen it. I play with Norman and couples and I'm like, I've never seen anything like this. quote in the paper the next day, was something to the effect of, yeah, I didn't have my A game, but I'm really pleased with the score. And I'm like, holy. yeah!" (laughs) Yeah. This guy's just served up his B game and he's not happy. And I'm like,
1: yeah, we're in trouble. (laughs) We're never going to be that good. Yeah, good few picks there. Lou, second question.
0: Yeah, nice to hear Joey Sindelar's name. I used to follow him a lot. Um, He lived in Horseheads, New York. Um, which wasn't too far away from, from where I was. And he got a ton of coverage in the uh, Buffalo, New York newspaper back then. So I, I followed along. So I haven't heard that name in a while. It's nice to hear it again. All right, question number two. You may have tipped us off on question number two, but uh, what is the best round you've ever witnessed in person?
2: That is a toss-up between Davis love shooting five under standing on his head at quail hollow before they changed everything. I think he three putted twice hit like two or three par fives in two. And I remember he shot 67, but he should have shot 63 easily. And (laughs) the ball striking was just beautiful again. And I watched and I looked in the previous year, he'd finished 154th or something. I think he was injured or something, but I, I'm like, hang on a second. You can't hit it that good and finish 154th the previous year on the list. So, you know, there's, if, if this guy can, anyone can, right? Um, the other round would have been definitely Tigers 65 that I saw. I haven't seen... Um, I haven't seen a lot of guys – I've seen guys shoot eight under and things like that, and we can all kind of do that. But I haven't played with anyone yet when it's been – to my knowledge, it's been like, oh, wow, I just saw 13 under or something like I played behind Furick when he shot 13 under but not with mm. him. Um, yep. th- was it 58 or whatever he shot at, yeah, uh, yep. at River Highlands? Um, yeah, that's – I mean, my lowest round was 11 under. I shot that in the English Open one year, and that was fun to do. But, yeah, there's uh, you see a lot of good golf, but I'd say that Tiger round, in terms of how you should hit the golf ball and how, how it should move, um, it was as close to perfection as I've seen.
1: Yeah, it's good. It's always interesting, isn't it? Because And that's a really good way of putting it. It's not always the lowest round, isn't it? I mean, i have not obviously at your uh, standard, but I've played in tournaments where I've come in and shot like two under, thinking that's a pretty good round. I'll be like, you know, maybe leading today and someone's come in eight under. And I'm thinking, well... I wouldn't have shot eight under if I gave myself all those ones I would have given myself when I play my holes back. Like, how have they done that? And sometimes obviously you, you've named a couple of rounds there where they're just doing something. Right. You're thinking like how that, that's amazing how they're making that happen today. Just cause the I'm, control like, I'm not bad. Like I'm a good player. Right. But that's like good. I, you know, uh, I look
2: is, for, I look for sound and oh, I yeah. listen for sound and I look for the ball control and I look, cause I know like I've, I'm a left to right ball flight guy. So a left pin, it starts out over the garbage and turns back into the pin if I'm feeling good and, or it hits in the middle of the green if I'm not feeling good. But these guys that can start it comfortably and move at small amounts, right to left and left to right. Norman was very similar. His was more of a very straight ball flight. A laser ball with his irons was unbelievable. There was a lot of guys who fall into that category of just on their day, just wonderful ball control. And it's, you know, I, I love the game. So I have a real appreciation when you can do it at that level. Like it, it's a super high level and and, uh, and it's fun to watch.
1: Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting.
0: Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'd yeah, be absolutely. I'd be curious to see how impressed you would be watching me put an eighty-one on the board, um, looking at my swing and thinking <laughs> I'm surprised this guy can get the ball airborne, and he just put a solid eighty-one on the card. <laughs>
2: Lou, when you when you see a gazelle run across the savannah mate, it's it's incomparable. You can't possibly unsee it it'd it'd be fun to watch i can't wait
1: (laughs) all right third question then we're going to go with favorite venue What's your favourite venue? It could be one of the famous ones. It might be, you know, I know the Waste Management's a pretty amazing event. Mm, I don't know if people call it their favourite venue at all, Mm -hmm. but do you know what I mean? They're different horses for courses. What would be one of your favourite venues?
2: It's not the Waste Management. Um, That is fun (laughs) for one week. That's the only time I've also been told that I've got a fat ass. I'm a hold of of 30 putt, uh, uh, sorry, a 10-foot putt for birdie. Guy yelled out, too bad, nice putt, too bad you've got a fat ass. And in the crowd, and I turned around, and I'm reasonably quick-witted, I like to think, and I had like six responses ready. I just couldn't yeah. find this mongrel in the crowd. Yeah. I'm like, who was that? Um, no, favourite venue, uh, always uh, St Andrews, purely because the experiences I've had there were phenomenal. British Open, um, or the Open, whatever you want to call it these days. Um, staying two blocks, got my whole family, two blocks from the 18th Green, walked down there, practice your putting at 10 o'clock at night. It's an Um, amazing place. Yeah. Yeah. Like it it is. And, and, you know, bless that I get to do it in an environment where it's just at its best. Right. You know, I understand that, Uh, but it is an incredible place. Um, I probably didn't appreciate it as much. The first time I was there, I grew to appreciate it more as the more I went, um, did you and not so, appreciate
1: it? Because when you stand, like, when you st- I've not played it, I've walked it lots. You stand on tees and you're looking at nothing a lot of the time. Obviously, the winds can be crazy there as well. What did you not appreciate at the start? Was it? Just- I'd say, Mark, you know what happened was
2: I played the, I wanted to go there and I, I thought, well, you know, I've always, if I don't get in the British Open or the Open, what how am I going to get on this thing? And I got a start in the um, Dunhill links, and yeah. we went there and it was, and it was soft and, and wet. And it just wasn't what it was. Right. And Not so then course. all of those, uh, you know, I know Lou's going to say angles don't matter, but all of those things <laughs> that you need to to do on that golf course where you have to, when the ball's on the ground and moving forward, you know, ridiculous distances, then you have to be in these spots that they want you to go in and take on a little more trouble. If, if you want to shoot lower, hit it close or make your yeah. next shot easier. The beauty of that, Because the fairways are paddocks, they're super wide.
1: Yeah. yeah, Uh, yeah. The
2: beauty of that started to resonate more than than the first time where you could really, we tore it apart. Like you could hit it anywhere because it was soft, right? So that was probably what happened. More the conditions changed and I started to go, oh, okay, I get it now. Um, So that was that. Um, Anything else would be, the other course, if I could play, would be Kingston Heath in Australia. That's that's a very good golf course. Beautiful golf course. Excellent. There you
1: go.
0: All right. Lou, next question. Some good, some good choices there. So when I first got into golf, uh, Freddie was my favorite player. Um, and then when Tiger came around, I uh, quickly transitioned to Tiger like just about the rest of the golfing world. So who who's your favorite player? I know you've been a player for a long time, but who's your favorite player of all time? Um, your either-
2: favorite or who I idolized as a kid? Or- um,
0: you can answer it maybe both ways.
2: So Norman was my, you know, we grew up, I was, you know, Greg Norman at his peak, um, number one in the world for a number of years. And he had everything that, um, you know, was marketable as well as a great golf game. So for us as kids growing up in Australia, he was our Tiger Woods.
1: He was an Australian um, and, dream, wasn't he? Really. Yeah, he know, He looked great. He yep. was big. He, had, yes. he flew helicopters, and like yeah. he was just Australia in a golfer, wasn't he? Almost right. always
2: for super, you know, super player. I mean, obviously, yeah. and really, and just win at all costs. You know that kind of stuff. It was really um, fun to watch him play, and because he played at you know obviously you know Saturday Slam and that kind of stuff. There was a lot of stuff there that uh he did that was really phenomenal to watch um and then favorite player um in the current era i really enjoy uh again it's more of the quality of the person than it is sometimes the the uh the, how they play but so, some of the people that i think are high quality individuals and match that with beautiful golf for people like rory uh jordan spieth um yeah. i think they're super high quality individuals and um, and I think Rory is probably, um, one of the most talented players I've ever played with, um, in terms of full game, every part of it, I think he is very, very good. Um, so yeah, the, you know, but favorite player growing up was Greg Norman and, and this is a weird game too, cause you know, it was, you know, I grew up idolizing him and then I think the first Australian open I won was 98 and you end up playing in, he's in the field. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And that's that must a, be
1: amazing. Is It's
2: a weird sport like that. Right. Like it's, yeah. you know, not many people get to compete against their idols, right. Or play with them. Right. So certainly, yeah, that's, that's the strange thing and, and it's hard to get your head around when you walk around the locker room. Right. And that's, yeah, 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 that was one of the things I had to adjust with pretty quickly. If you want to be successful.
1: Fantastic. Yeah. I like that. And then it's quite interesting because we have got a Greg Norman question coming up, which we'll lead you on to, but mm. it's quite interesting as well because no disrespect to yourself or any Australian players, but Australia's not really had that idol again since. I mean, obviously Adam Scott's kind of carried the flame, but uh, Adam's a lovely guy. I've filmed with him once or twice, and he's you know, I'm no disrespect to Adam Scott, but he's not a Greg Norman, is he? He's a very different character publicly. Um, Australia like hasn't had that. Next, Greg Norman, isn't it? And it's not as if they don't invest in sport and golf. I mean, they uh, yeah, are sport Australia sports are heavily invested, and in that you know they do everything they can to get them. It's just it shows you how amazing Greg was. Is kind of what I am trying right, to say. Right,
2: right. And I and I think to you know the idea that it's someone like a Norman, or you could pick a Faldo, or pick a um, you know Tiger, or someone who's going to carry the game worldwide, and be one of the greatest in the game for long periods of time. Um, they just don't fall off a tree. Right. No, absolutely. You, know, they, you know, you, it's not something you can, you can throw all the money at it you want, but you can't build that, um, that aura, that person. Um, we've had some wonderful and still do have some wonderful golfers come from Australia. You know, yeah, Scotty totally. winning the masters and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, Cam but, Smith's a great yeah, talent right. that
1: gets forgotten. Mark Leishman's like a major machine and no one ever puts any money on him. It seems like he's always up there. He's a great player. They're just yes, not they're as big of personalities as well, are they?
2: Right. And and look, and that's the thing um, I think you see in golf is some of the things that um, you get, these the, the players like you're talking about off the golf course, phenomenal human beings, like wonderful yeah, totally. people, right? Yeah. Um, and who, who knows what leads to what? what drive or what you need to be, Someone like a Greg Norman or a Tiger Woods, I, I haven't experienced in my life. I've seen them do it, but I don't know what goes on behind closed doors to make them who they are. Because that yeah, yeah. that need and that desire to be that good, it's it's hard to replicate. Intense. Isn't it? <laughs> right? yeah, yeah. yeah that intensity is really hard must to replicate.
1: be all-consuming as well, mustn't it? It must right. be. It's a little bit like pop star level of consumption, isn't it? In your day-to-day life like the sacrifices and i know the sacrifices are worth it because you use the word sacrifices with world-class players and i think your normal audience don't like it's such a negative word like if you want to look at sacrifices we all make sacrifices in the real world but they're making massive sacrifices as well the rewards are big but you know they're not maybe going out clubbing every night or like you know they're just working so much harder than we actually see sometimes to sustain not only play but to to have a life in the media world like they have is a different challenge in itself isn't it one that we see premiership footballers fall down on constantly you know they're just ordinary kids great at football loads of money and all of a sudden their lives can't deal with it and they're in the papers for the wrong reasons kind of stuff like you've got to be able to handle so many different levels haven't you
2: right and I'm always uh, yes and you're right about the media side of it I am somewhat thankful in a way and it's going to sound crazy but when I I finish a bad day I go home yeah. I don't have to talk yeah. to anybody. I don't have to talk yeah. about when, because then, then if you have another bad day tomorrow, we're going to talk about it again. And they, can yeah. you imagine every day you don't have what you want happen? You've got to do an interview. No, I get it. They earn a lot of money. That's their job, blah, blah, blah. I know yeah. what people yeah. are say. But man, that it suck balls after a while. Right? <laughs> oh, totally. really... in, a
1: game, in a game where you generally lose, like you lose right. more than you win and you're carrying the flag of a nation right. or of a sport. I, I agree. It, and I think when... when you mentioned Rory earlier, that's where Rory excels. And he does it, it feels without immediate. You know, I know he has media teams behind him, but he does it from his heart. He's so genuine, it seems. He has these meltdowns and he deals with them and he has the successes and he he's deals very with authentic, them. right? Yeah, isn't yeah. he? Just mm-hmm. isn't he? Which is, is, is rare, isn't it? There you go. Good choices. Another day is here
0: and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com
1: slash talk to us.
0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
1: Next question then, how hard did you practice? It kind of leads on to this question. You know, there's stories of people like... um, Montgomery, not knowing where practice areas are and stuff, not hitting many balls, just was, you know, he obviously did practice very hard, but not someone who's beating balls. Vijay Singh, practicing really hard. How hard did you practice as
2: a guy? When I was younger, um, extremely hard. So I, I, uh, the way it works in Australia, we don't have college programs for sports. So basically I finished high school and my grades for high school last five years, right? So I had a five-year window And I went to my dad. I actually did one day at college. I went to university and they said, look, we need you to be here 27 hours. I'm going to do this. And I'm like, you know, this ain't it. I went home to dad that night and I said, dad, I want to try and play golf. And dad said, "Uh, okay, I'll support you. Um, And I was lucky he could do that. Uh, You just got to treat it like a job. And so I set up a schedule, basically. Uh, Mondays were off. I didn't drink until, you know, a little later in life than most people. I really wasn't a big drinker. Um, So... I set up practice, and my goal in summer was to be there at uh, sort of 6.30 in the morning. I was uh, – there's a guy that, uh, you would probably know, Brett Rumford played in Europe, and yeah, Brett and I, I Trapp, we worked Rumford, yeah. at the same place. At, we, and I would do long game in the morning, which was anywhere from sort of 6.30 till 11.30 uh, hitting balls, usually around 300 balls. And then my coach was at for that facility. We didn't do a lot of coaching, to be honest. Uh, hmm. I didn't really get a lot of lessons. It was more – he was a feel-based coach, you know, ball flight-based stuff. It wasn't a lot of technical advice. It was more rhythm yeah. and balance stuff. Yeah. Worked great for me. And then I'd have lunch, and I'd go to my other my club I was a member at, and I'd do a couple of hours of putting, play nine holes, chip, and try and get home. In the winter, it was dark till dark, and in the summer, it was um, you know six thirty till seven or something like that. And then every year, I had a pretty good assessment program, where I'd sort of sit down, okay, where what am, I try to treat myself like a company, like okay where are my strengths, where are my weaknesses and how can I maintain strengths and fix weaknesses? And I've kind of done that throughout my career because I've had to get max value out of myself uh, because I'm not the most talented guy in the room in a lot of areas of the game. So that's kind of how I looked at it. Um, and, and certainly that can help players, you know, as you get into the, you know, you're a million dollar company once you get on the PGA tour. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. you know, look after your biggest assets, which are your body, right? Look mm-hmm. after that as much, best you can. And, um, as i got older i got a little smarter i'd say later in my career um where it was more about quality than quantity um and so because i've also got you know started to get injured and arthritis and you're just old right so that kind of evolved into that but certainly early in my career yes i was going to outwork you that was my goal and vj i I wasn't on his level because he's nuts Um, (laughs) but uh yeah there was a real sort of this is my job and i'm going to treat it like a job and Three years, two and a half years after I um, started practicing, uh, I turned pro and I was off and away.
0: So how old were you when you started practicing all day, every day, and how good were you at that point? And if you could maybe put it in terms of uh, you know ha- your handicap. If, yeah, if sure, that...
2: sure. So what I did, I, I was kind of um, uh, super disciplined. So I, I, my final year, my senior year of high school, I quit golf completely. Cause I knew I'd get these five year windows to five year window to either go back to college if it didn't work out. So I quit golf completely. My handicap went from about plus one out to about two. And so by the end of my senior year, I was probably playing off one to two um, and I got back into golf. I started practicing um, and I got to work and I wasn't, you know, in the squads that we, you know, we all have local good player squads yeah. and state yeah, teams yeah. and things like that competitions. I was far from the best uh, at that point I and that was good in a way I had I had guys to beat um, there were a lot of players who were thought of as above me and that's fine um, but I tried to be the last guy on the range and the and the first guy there the next morning and um, and off we went and so yeah I think I by the time I turned pro I was a plus 4 or 5 wow. um Go on, get on I, yeah but I you know I you know, at your club, that's nothing. Like, to me, if you get that handicap...
1: I agree, but plus four what, or five what, is still a hell of a achievement. Yeah, but, like, there yeah. are many of them in the world. There's more now. And back in the day, you were talking as well. Like, plus, when you mentioned you are off plus one, I don't know if you feel the same now. Plus one back when you are talking mm. is probably the equivalent to plus three now. Like, the thing I've noticed with yes. the good players I see is that the handicaps have come down in that top echelon like i mean i remember getting into the english amateur you have to be off scratch i don't know what the english amateur um cut off now but i imagine it's plus one more uh, if it's not plus 1.5 almost right and so plus four or five back then is pretty impressive i think it was about still.
2: plus four yeah i mean it was um it was good going yeah it was uh, look and I, I i was trying to get after it right and i was highly yeah. motivated I, you know there was yeah. a There was a point there where I was like, you know what, I want to be, I want to be really good at this. I want to do it for a living. So, and what I didn't want was to look back and go, you know what, I didn't work hard enough. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't want that feeling. So, and you know, I'm now trying to instill that in my sons a little bit. But anyway, uh, that's another story. Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah. (laughs) yes, that was it.
0: So you were about eighteen years old then when you started that journey, roughly. Yes,
2: correct. Yes, and then did three, two and a half years of that. I won the Australian Amateur when I was. uh, Who'd you beat in the final? Uh, a guy named Matthew E um, You wouldn't okay. know him. I beat no. um, the following year. Warren Bennett won it. And Warren played over well, in the well, Europeans. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, yes. Did, so yeah. the following year he won it. He beat me in the semi final the next year. Um, but yeah, we didn't have a lot of internationals come down in those days. It was um, it was expensive and a long way. Um, but uh, yeah, So then in those days in Australia, that allowed you to turn pro within a two year window. And right. so in Australia, so I could join the Australasian tour just by writing a letter. So yeah. come January 95, I wrote him a letter and said, let's go. And off I went to the New Zealand Open. So, yeah,
1: we're off and away. Excellent. You never played British amateur or US amateur, did you, I guess? No. At, yeah, I was kind In of America missed trade. that
2: window on, on A, I didn't have the money to get over there and yeah, they weren't yeah, sending yeah. us anywhere. The, the Golf no. Australia would send us to Malaysian amateur. Um, yeah, yeah. They sent us to the French amateur, which are, I actually won because that was at the same course the Eisenhower was going to be at. Right, uh, okay. so le-, le Golf National where they had the Ryder right Cup, yeah, so yeah, they yeah. sent us over yeah. for that. And, uh, but yeah, that 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 wasn't um, you needed money to go there, and I just didn't have yeah. that, so I had to rely on them sending me places. So um, I,
0: I have to ask this follow up, and first I have to let everyone know that um, in the Shotlink era, which is 2004 through today, Greg is the third best putter in the Shotlink era, which is incredibly wow. impressive. Uh, yeah. which in my opinion, probably puts him top 10 all time putters that's ever played the game. Um, I want to know about uh, your putting practice. It's a part of the game that I, I, I really enjoy and uh, am very into. So um, tell us, how did you go from being a two handicap that probably putted like a two handicap to being one of the best putters that's ever played?
2: So if you go back to the very first first golf course I started at was called Shelley Beach Golf Club in New South Wales, Australia. And it doesn't have a driving range. It has one thing. It has a putting ring right outside, (laughs) right outside the pro shop, right? And right outside the clubhouse. And I also had about six or eight of us, maybe a dozen, all my age bracket, a little older and all better than me. And all we did was have putting competitions. That's for hours and hours. And hours. used to play a game called 21 Um, you know, five points for hole in one, one point for nearest first to 21 without going out and we go forever or drawbacks, always competing. Not once in my life until I got to about, uh, I want to say turn pro-ish did I actually get a putting lesson, right? Not, we just, I had really good rhythm and tempo, um, tried a different, few different putters, but I always found I used a putter called an old master for a while, which was a blade um and then like norman I, I, norman used the yes blades, didn't he? yes those kind of things i and got a slashing blade yep i yeah, use those for a little that. while and then I think i love i love watching ben a little bit so i think i might yeah. have got into that because of that but um yes and then we used to just putt a lot and we chip and putt competitions and blah 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 so then turn pro um i we didn't even have much training aids then either it was just a matter mm. okay i'm going to hold 100 in a row from three feet and yeah, then um, we'd move around and do different things. And I'd I tried to remember one time I'm talking about VJ. One time VJ was hitting drivers, and I thought, okay, I'm going to try and putt as long as VJ hits drivers. And I had to give up after <laughs> about two and a half hours, right? <laughs> so, anyway, um, that's kind of the level I would get to. And it was nothing for me to hit, let's say I went and putt it for an hour and then go home. And I was a big believer in lower half stability and still am, particularly on short putts and fast greens, because I feel like the, the upper half flows better and moves better um and you transfer the energy of the ball more consistently the less you move it's kind of where brad Faxon's a good friend of mine it's kind of one of the areas we differ on some things but anyway yeah i went home and i'd stick my butt up against the wall and i'd like okay, i'm gonna hit a couple of hundred parts before tomorrow um yeah, yeah. that's just it was volume you know Love and you spend that amount of time bent over a putter um and i'll tell you the biggest thing when someone has said to you for years hey you're left-handed you're awesome at putting boy that helps you know, that belief that belief pattern. Imagine yeah. if someone instilled in you as a young kid. I mean, you're even at the very least, you're gonna be awesome at this.
1: If yeah, you instill
2: yeah. that in someone, my heavens, that's a big are, deal. What you know, are you, you
0: uh, are you right eye dominant or left eye dominant? I'm yes, curious. right eye dominant. Yeah. So
2: that helps as well. I see right. the line very easily. Um, and when I turn my head, I don't have to turn and find it. It's just there, yeah. it leads that way. So I've, I've actually been doing a little bit of uh, looking into that because it's am doing the teaching world a little bit now and figuring out, talking to people about how to, you know, rotate your head correctly so you can see better. I um, mean, you're not trying to find it with a right-hander being right-eye dominant. So, but yes, that I am right-eye dominant.
0: Yeah, yeah. I putt left-handed. Um, I play right-handed, but putt lefty and I'm right-eye dominant. And I've always thought that that gave me um, – the ability to see the line a little bit better. Yeah, it,
2: there's no. There's. It, it does feel that way. It's hard for me right. to say in a sense because I haven't experienced the other way. I do know if I switch to right-handed, a, apart from my bad technique, I don't feel like my head. I feel like I have to move it just a few, you know, a few mils or a few sure. centimeter further right. to see the way I want to see. Um, but, yeah, there's part of it that was just my environment. There, was, You know, I'm sure if I had a big – if I had the facilities that I am access to now, these big driving ranges, I might have gone to that first. But I, I loved it, and we just competed. And, and you know, before you know it, I've done four or five years of competitive putting. Yeah, exactly. um, yeah, it's, Putting matches
1: as juniors and
2: growing up. Right. They're golden
1: times, and they are such good practice. Oh, man. So we
2: playing for a can of coke. I mean, it was yeah. just – so much totally. fun. Who My favorite stood
1: on a putting green waiting for mum and dad to pick them up until right. dark. It's great. One more, they're not here yet. One more, I'm not here yet. It's just the right. best. That
2: yeah. We we had so much fun in those days. My favorite day of the year was the course was closed Christmas Day. We go up and meet at the club, and then you start from whatever hole you choose and play over the clubhouse. So you go from the first hole to the twelfth <laughs> green, it's a part nine <laughs> over the back there somewhere. Yeah, yeah, it's great fun. Good, anyway, good we Excellent. had fun.
0: Awesome. Cool. All right, well, on to uh, question six. I'm not sure what number we're up to here, but um, About that, yeah. what was your first major like? You've played in in several of them. What was your first one like? I believe it was back in '98. I looked it up. So I'm gonna yes. let you tell the story. And, and what was that? Yeah. Like? So
2: Royal Royal Birkdale, yes um yeah. British Open. uh I qualified over there in the two day qualifier or two round qualifier, I believe. Um, and then, oh, no, I might have qualified off my performance in Australia because I won the Australian Open the year before and they have a spot for the leader of the money yes. list down in Australia. Yeah, That makes sense. Um, so, anyway, uh, there's a year that uh, Marco Mira won, beat Brian Watts. Um, in, in uh, Was it in a playoff or was it straight up? I can't playoff, remember. yeah. Yes. Playoff, yep. Yeah, so, and, and Watts, he actually lives 20 minutes away. He's a member at the club or was a member of the club. I'm teaching at right now. But anyway... Quite an experience. I think I started uh, triple on the first, double on the second, um, and it was windy and I was really nervous and really uncomfortable. I think the cut was like six over. I made the cut on the number five over or six over or something and ended up playing on the weekend. I just loved – that was also the week I have got a putter out in my garage. It's an Odyssey blade that was meant for Phil Mickelson, but I don't know if he either didn't get it or didn't want it. I put, I took that and put that in play that week. I still got that. I was just toiling around with it earlier today. Um, yeah, that's a, it was a cool week. I'd never experienced anything like it in terms of the intensity. I really loved how people appreciated the shot, not who hit the shot. Um, Mm. you know, I've always said if I hit it to 10 feet and Tiger hits it to 10 feet, we'll go nuts for Tiger. But Greg, it's just like a polite little, Hey, well done. Um, and, which is frustrating in a sense because he's way more talented it was actually easier for him but anyway yeah um, <laughs> you know, sure, surely you should be yelling be the man. other way around right. but, well you know, greg's in it if <laughs> yes. you've seen my own play that was a brilliant shot you should have seen the previous holes but yeah it was uh it was quite an experience and, and like i'd never seen anything like um it, you know here's a bunch of free stuff like i still to this day i still love free stuff but um you know, like you know, giving your shoes, and you know, you go in the tightless van, and that, I still appreciate all that stuff. And that was the first sort of real deep dive into that, I think, in a sense. Where holy mackerel, I usually have to order this, and they're just giving me shoes all of a sudden. So yeah, yeah, yeah things yeah. like that that you, you you sort of get an appreciation for. It's just
1: pretty cool. It's such a great event. Really cool. Yeah, Burkdale. that's where um, Baker Finch won round Burkdale, Did he not? Is that where he won yes. one year? Yes, Yeah, a little 700. Where he went front crazy, didn't he? he? went he absolutely did. crazy mm-hmm. and, and yes. took it. Um, yes. and, and where were you in your career when you played that first major? So as in, like, was it, were you looking at who you were paired with or were you blasé about that because you'd been playing with these kind of players for a long time by this. So when you played your first major, was it like, I'm now not going to be playing with Jim down the road. I might get to play with, well, Nicholas, I guess, would have been playing or whoever. Watson would have been playing still then. Like, was it a bit of that or not? Uh, not you know, not for me personally. No. I,
2: I, I was having a really good year. Um, yeah. I, just, I just finished. I was about to finish 21st. I finished second twice that year, once to Westwood and once to Thomas Bjorn. Um, I shot 61, you know, and then after the British Open, I went home uh won the australian open finished third in the q school in america and you know like i was having a banger year i was uh yeah yeah i was actually hitting the ball really nicely so that's why the start was really frustrating but i've never been a big sort of you know look at who i'm playing with there's certain groups when you get them it's actually easier if you're not in those groups in a sense yeah yeah, um, yeah. so i don't remember i remember i played with a player called santiago luna uh, yeah, uh thing, yeah, yeah yeah right and then i can't remember who the third was but yeah the, it wasn't something that i was like oh okay i can't wait to see my pairing who am i going to get now i've never really bought into that too much um because i found that guys who tend to worry about that it's like dude there's enough distractions anyway why are we worried about yeah
1: yeah that stuff? I like that. yeah yeah Cool. So when you, you,
0: when you went to your first major, um, that was, you were 24, 25 years old, roughly around there. Yeah. 25, 24, 24. So that was six or seven years after you made that decision when you were 18, where you said, I'm going to try to be a pro golfer and I'm going to work at my game every day. Um, when you stood on that first tee at your first major, Did you, what did it feel like from the perspective of where you started your journey and and like along the way, did you feel like uh, you were, you knew you were going to end up there someday or were you unsure that you were ever going to get there? Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, I do. I know what you're saying. And look, ultimately what happened was it's actually one of my biggest regrets. um, And I've got a couple, but one of them is I I wasn't self-aware enough to realize how good I was playing when I was playing really well um yeah. and where i was in the game and that and what the path i was on i still kept thinking no you got to get better you got to get better you got to do this you know you still it's a little bit in australia we have this thing called the tall poppy syndrome which is don't get too big for your boots right and i think mark you'd know what i'm talking about like it's yeah. it's vastly different to the american culture of hey we're going to pump you up and life will just beat you down by itself you know we're just but we're yeah. just going to tell you how great you are and i've always thought it's harder to ramp confidence up than it is to ramp it down. Right. So, and I wasn't super confident, even though all evidence in front of me was, Hey, you're on a really good track here, dude. you you've just had a great year you got your card in America. Let's go get it. And I look back at some of the de- sort of the choices or decisions or the beliefs I had at the time. And I somewhat regret that I just didn't see or could step back and go, Hey, you're playing pretty good. You know, like, yeah. you know, you're on a good track here. Keep doing what you're doing. Uh, it was more let's keep building and let's get it better. Don't celebrate too much. Um, and so those kind of things, um, sure, they may have led me to be, you know, successful for longer and in the drive and all that kind of stuff. But there is a point now as an older dude where I'm like, dude, you could have just said to yourself, hey, you're doing nice. Well done. Yeah. You know, yeah, like, yeah absolutely. Just celebrate
1: a little bit along the way. rather yeah, than Yeah. yeah. We well, you all um, business by the sounds of it. A little you? bit. Sorry, little.
0: Yeah, like as, a, as the math nerd, uh, I wonder if you would have thought about your game differently if we had strokes gained back then. Because strokes gained in each category gives you a pretty good idea as to how you're doing and how you're doing against your peers. If you had that when you were playing your best back then, you would have had a really good indication as to you know where you stacked up in each one of those categories. And, and I just kind of thinking out loud, I wonder if that would have changed how you felt and and if that would have modified anything.
2: Yeah, possibly. Um, certainly, um, I found that's the you know the stats and the, the way that world's developed um, is great for development uh, in terms of you know what have I got to work on? What I, and if it did, it said to me what I wanted to hear, which was actually yeah, you're driving it well, you're hitting enough greens, you're doing good. The rest of my game was golden. I've made a living off my short game, so I knew that part was okay. Um, yeah. I've also not been a close watcher of stats in my career. I kind of outsourced that to a coach um, mainly because uh, I've, I've sort of believed that you play up and down to your belief pattern. And if you already believe something is great, I remember I did this once um, I thought I was really awesome at bunkers and I was having a great year at that. And I was, I looked over and it was like, dude, it says you're 70th, you know, like, and so I almost wish I didn't see it. Right. In a sense, I, I, I wish because I knew eventually I would play up to that, that belief pattern. I would be like, you know what? I, I'm awesome at this. And so there's part of that that sort of can tie into stats and it gets complicated, but I've always kind of outsourced that, whether I've been coached by Colin Swatton was, you know, one of my coaches, Jason yeah. does coach. Sure. Um, and I let them kind of go, Hey, you know, take a look at this, tell me where I need to get better. And it's always been, the same areas uh, i mean it's pretty obvious now at 48 where it is but at the time yes you're probably right lou that that probably would have helped
1: mm, yeah absolutely okay good stuff so next question it's a non-golf question next we're gonna go mm-hmm. non-golf question um favorite movie of all time what's your favorite oh. movie it can be it obviously doesn't need to be golf related what what well, no, i am gonna got a long flight and you have to put on a movie what would you be putting on
2: it's either it's either shawshank redemption yeah, everyone or, loves that film. Yeah, Great movie. Or, yeah. 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 Or or one of my ones that if it pops on. The two other ones, if they come on, I absolutely I will absolutely sit and stop watch. One this one was on last night is who's years. Am I saying that right, Lou? Who's The Hoosiers. basketball Hoosiers. there you go. Yeah. Basketball Hoosiers. movie with Gene Hackman. yeah And okay. uh and Taken. If Taken pops on and with Liam Neeson. Take,
0: taken.
2: Yeah. <laughs> what? I've got
0: to
1: watch that. Seriously. <laughs> it always makes Taken always makes me think of Deadpool. Have you not got have you watched Deadpool, you guys, yes. or not? Yes,
2: yes. Where um, he yes, says
1: at what point are people gonna just say Liam Neeson's the worst dad on the planet? Like he just keeps losing his <laughs> yeah. family. It's like just stop taking yeah. I'm not it. even
0: sure which one Taken is because he has like 12 movies that are all essentially the same premise, yeah. right? Well, there's, it's there's, all taken, there's two, taken two, Taken 3 un- yeah, I, know I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Man. Well, the other two are great, so those are really good choices. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to pin you into the corner on, on golf movies. So you picked favorite movie any any genre. What what about golf?
2: Oh, favorite golf movie? Yeah. Oh, I'm not one of those guys that can quote Caddyshack left and right like people do. Um, I did enjoy it at the time. Um, I do look back Caddyshack at it. Was and, great, yeah, yeah. I do look back at it and sort of go. Uh, um okay you know um it wasn't it wasn't it's uh it's got bits in it that i'm like yeah okay all right but the recent one that um i wish was it was tin cup that i wish was a little more realistic uh when he sucked a three wood back that was a bit, like come on now um, <laughs> uh, that was okay um and then my son's probably like uh, happy gilmore a little bit because of um is it Courtney Thorne-Smith plays the lead role or something? A, Is a that a girl? Right, yeah, okay, I think yeah, my son's yeah. watch that. And they're like, yeah, that looks all right. And I'm like, yeah, well, <laughs> you're 18 and 15. I bet it does. Um, uh, yeah. But yeah. <laughs>
1: Happy so Gilmore is yeah, an amazing crossover film. Like my kids have watched Happy Gilmore right, i love it. And it's not because right. it's golf related, because it is it's just it is a fantastic crossover. Like it's golf, but it appeals to so much right. more. Yeah. Um, there you go. I do like what shoot would be Him your again. favorite golf film. Yeah, shoot Him again. What would be your <laughs> favorite film, Lou? Non-golf. What's your favorite film? Oh, non-golf. Um, that's a yeah, good w- one. I wouldn't have yeah. a clue. I would just go on a I would, You know, I I would probably
0: say pop fiction um oh, pulp fiction is film. yeah it's mm-hmm. part of my favorite film of all time I, i've seen that countless times so love that one um, gotta get the
2: gimp yep um,
0: <laughs> and you know the other one too that i really like by tarantino <laughs> is reservoir dogs if you've seen that one oh yeah i, I really yeah, enjoy yeah. that one as well so yeah. uh yeah. but golf related um i would say it's a tin cup and then caddyshack and and then any other movie any other golf movie and then Happy Gilmore. That's my. Oh, really? that is my ranking for golf movies. There you go. <laughs> all right, nice. we're on to the next one, Mark. I think you—you uh, you are. Yeah, up. it's your one.
1: Is it me? Is no? I just asked what's the best. Oh no! Yeah, all right. It's I on think you. May have,
0: you may have let the cat out of the bag on this already. Um, lowest score ever. Um, and maybe we can do that two ways. So one in tournament play, and I think you may have mentioned it earlier, but what about non-tournament play? Just out playing with with friends. What what's low score ever?
2: I rarely go low playing with friends um because I don't care. And I really yeah. enjoy my social golf not having to try. Um, I really don't want to play for a lot of money. I'm happy to throw in 50 bucks or give you a hundred. I don't care if I lose. I want the intensity to be like super low. And if I hit it offline, I'm not even going to look for it. Like I, I just don't care when I play social golf. It's more about um, the experience. I have a really good fun time. My buddy's fiftieth. We played a game. Have You ever played critters? So no, let's not yeah. Oh, mate. So we go by. I go by six plush, fluffy toys. Right, and you have <laughs> you have a you have a gorilla that represents trees, or a monkey. You have um, a snake for a three putt, a fish for water, and a camel for sand. And you uh, you put money value onto those things. And when you do those ah. things, you, you've got to carry the plushie toy on you while you play. And every three, six or nine holes, you assess who has what. And now you've got to put that money in the kitty, right? Mm. So, ah, okay. so if you three-putt the first, you've got to carry the snake until someone else 3 puts, and off we go, right? Um, so we had fun doing that because I think one point, one of my buddies is not very good. I had a sloth for a cold top. I think he had like six plushies attached to it. He could barely move, right? But basically that's it. That's one of my fun little sidebar gamble games that we have a bit of fun. with. But um, lowest round, yeah, 61 English Open. I had a chance to shoot 50. Of course? Where was that? That was, I can't remember, Lee Westwood won. Fulford Heath? It's a good question. Par five, short par four, finish. Um, I can't remember. Par five. Down the hill, short par four. Back up the hill. It wasn't Slaley Hall. What so that's year was really it?
1: What, what year was it?
2: That would have been ninety-eight. Ninety-eight.
1: Let me see if I can look yeah. it up. No, ninety-eight.
2: 90. Yeah, ninety-eight. I believe. English. I think Lee Westwood won it. He beat me. I played with him. I shot uh, sixty-one on Saturday. Yeah, he wins
1: everything, didn't he? <laughs> yeah.
2: And uh, I'd love to know where it was because I had a five footer to go twelve under on the seventeenth, and I missed it. And then I had a drive three-wood wedge to the last hole. So it was a chance to shoot 59 there. But I think I shot seven or eight under on the front nine. Just played out of my wow. mind. Couldn't yeah, do yeah, anything yeah. wrong. It didn't matter where I hit it, I was going to hit it close. Um, it was a crazy day. Every round has an energy to it kind of thing. And the energy that day was really good. Um, <laughs> you know, because just every time it, something could go wrong, it just didn't. And something went right all the time. So it was a what, crazy good day
1: i can't Uh, find where the english open was that year might have been something else
2: it was something it might have been a different event but it was in england for sure yeah so on that topic do you hold any course records got a bit of a bug to pick there actually i I love it I every year the farmers insurance at tory pines comes on i shot 63 there just after they redid the course right around i was running dead last i'm hit off with steve elkington off the 10th tee i went out and i had 20 putts one chip in for bogey birdied 6789 to shoot 63 on the new south course right Mm -hmm. it's a south course right isn't it yeah yeah um where they're about to hold the u.s open following you know six months later or nine months whatever a few months later and to this day Whenever they post the PGA Tour, they'll put Tiger's record up that is sh- on the easier version of it previously. And I'm, I'm, I'm always like, I'm going to tweet. I'm going to, like, he's got everything else. Just give me the course record and I'll be happy. But they keep putting up someone else has shot the course record when that's my only course record, basically. Um, so, oh, yeah, I shot 63 with 20 putts.
0: Well, as our partner in crime now on this podcast, Mark and I are going to, uh, on your behalf, we're we're going to spread that word when they play at Tory next time, <laughs> yeah, right. and we'll let the world know that you yeah. are the true and only. be the justice,
2: right? Yes. I I'd say the following year, because you know, like I said, I had twenty parts and a chip in. The following year, I went back, and a marshal came up to me in a practice round, and he goes, "Man, I saw that round last year. That was so great." He said. Gee, if you only made some more putts. And I'm like, dude, I only missed like two. So (laughs) how many do you want me to make? Yeah. yeah. Yeah,
0: So who's got who's got the record? Tiger something? Tiger So Tiger
2: shot. I think Tiger shot the same (laughs) score. You're right. Yeah. Tiger who? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's the way to start any conversation. Yeah, he's yeah. got the well, right. Yeah.
1: I thought because he, Tiger, obviously had his press conference the week we're recording this thing, and I thought that was actually going to be about this incident, but apparently <laughs> he <laughs> talked about his leg or something. Yeah. I was a bit confused. Uh, I was uh, like, yeah. I was going to message. Like, what, I thought we were going to actually put Greg, you know, put this yep. bug to bear for Greg, and you've gone talking about your leg. Yep. Like, what's going on?
2: The worst thing is the PGA Tour will tweet that out. You wait. You wait. Southern Farmers, <laughs> Farmers, Farmers Insurance will come around. The Tour will tweet it out. And I'm like, dude, I'm a member as well. Like, give me the course record for heaven's sake. But anyway. <laughs>
1: we got we have your back on this one greg thank you yeah, thank now. you yeah, we listen. need to start an online we need to start an online campaign a campaign reinstate oh, greg's mark. how about a GoFundMe
2: or a wristband go. or something like, yeah but i don't good. think we need to collect money
1: for it i think <laughs> yeah. we just need support <laughs> uh, I love it. go fund me you need to go win more tournaments <laughs> bro. No. You're, you're talking about a yeah. different thing you're
2: right, right. <laughs> okay i got gotcha. you
1: um, well, this is now, as I understand it, Lou, this might now turn into the Big Ten because you've asked a question that I thought we weren't going to ask. So I'm going to ask the next oh, question. And we've got two more after yeah. that. But then my, my next question is, What is your first, what was your first round at Augusta like? Augusta, obviously, a place everyone wants to talk about. I think there's oh, a story about your tee shot, of, oh, which yes. you'll tell us. Um, but just so it's kind of a two-part question. What was it like, you know, your first mm-hmm. time there? Mm-hmm. Uh, for lots of people, they tell stories of It, it is special. And... I know there was an incident, I think, off the first tee. Tell mm-hmm. us a bit about your first time, at Augusta.
2: Yeah, so first time and only time. Uh, I'd finished 2000, I'd finished fourth in the USPGA. Uh, that Bob May and uh, Tiger went head to head in. Um, so oh, that got me mm-hmm. in 2001. So 2001. I uh, I roll in there, um, Sunday afternoon. We rented a house, I think it's about four thousand dollars or something, they, they're probably a lot yeah. more now. My parents came over. My wife's parents came over. Um, I didn't have any any uh, young youngsters at that point, so it was just us as a family, which was awesome. Big big deal for my parents, I think, and and me as a as yeah. a family. Uh, my wife uh, was new to golf in a sense, uh, so the, you know she didn't really understand the importance of it in some ways. I remember a little side story. I was putting on dress shoes to go to the golf course, which I normally just try on a pair of joggers or something. She's like, yeah. what are you doing? What are you doing? I said, this is Augusta. <laughs> We've got to put on dress shoes. We don't We don't just roll in with joggers. We might not get invited back, right? So anyway, um, she's like, oh, this is a big deal. So they they um, they have a function for first timers. They meet all the members on, I believe it's Wednesday evening. They have a, like an outdoor function right by the first tee. That was lovely. I did every single thing that I wanted to in terms of, I kind of – it's going to sound bad, but I kind of shelved – like I did, if I play great, that was a bonus. I wanted to do everything that um, – in soak up everything. Experience. Yes, yes, correct. They Who didn't have the – yes, they didn't have the new range in those days, so I'm bummed I didn't get to see that. Hopefully, I, I was thinking of going to watch one day. But anyway, we'll get to that. Um, <laughs> so I, uh, I played a practice round with a uh, buddy of mine, Brad Faxon, Um, he called me up, see how we have a game. So we did that Monday. Baker Finch joined us. Um, Finchy. because in those days, uh, this may still be the case. All major champions are allowed to go and play the par three competition and play a practice round if they choose. I don't know if that's still a thing, but that's what they used to do. Um, I wrote my name down next to Arnold Palmer for the par three competition. Um, Knowing fully well, uh, that was a catch up on a regret I had, um, which is another story, but yes, I've thought I'm going to get to play with Arnold. This is going to be awesome. Uh, found out earlier in the day, of course, that he, Jack, and Gary were sent out to do their thing yeah. with the crowd earlier on. So it was uh, Dennis Paulson and I ended up being a little bummed. He's probably looking at me like, you're not Arnie, and I was thinking the same. Um, so then we come to the first day, and I've always been pretty good at um, I was – first-timers get to play with – usually get to play with a past champion of some sort, and I, I got Sandy Lyle and Krista oh, Great. Yeah, so yeah. is a lovely guy and Chris Marco yeah. as well, who's playing some – this was his first sort of foreainder playing really well in the next few years at that tournament. I think he finished 10th or something that week. So anyway, we, um, we're, I'm warming up and I think I'm playing at about 8.30 and I'm warming up and I'm like, you yeah, know, I feel all right. This is not too bad. Um, oh, uh, uh, Byron Nelson and Sam Snead about to hit the opening tee shots. I got to go watch that, right? So let's let's roll on down there. It's like 7:30, 7:40 or something. I got plenty of time. Let's just go down and watch that and then we'll go to the range. And I watch it and they both flush it and they did their thing and uh I'm like kind of just automatically went, "Oh, oh, this is a big deal." Um uh-oh. So couldn't calm down, right? So I warm up get on the first tee and I'm doing all these little tricks that I know to try and calm down and get into a state of, you know, you, you kind of want your nervous system to be at about a six to be really successful. Anytime you get around nine or 10, um, that's no good. and One's no good either. I'm, I'm running at about 11, 10 and a half at the moment. And so I beautifully hit this little heel cut down the left side. It's right on the rope line. And I'm like, okay, yeah. well, I've got it. I've got it airborne. I'm good. This should be okay. Hits a guy right above his eye. Right on his forehead, knocks him out cold. Down.
1: Wow, right. Wow. So the, now
2: my I have
1: arrived. Yes,
2: <laughs> and my immediate thought is, okay, uh, this guy's probably waited twenty years for tickets, and I've yeah. just knocked him out at eight thirty in the morning. Okay, <laughs> now the ball has also gone hard left through the pines. It's nearly on nine fairway. Right. That's a tough so I get recovery
1: down, back there.
2: Right. So I get down there and I'm, my heart's racing. I'm like, this guy, he's still on the ground. I'm like, what's wrong? I hope he's okay. I don't think a signed glove is going to make him feel better right now. <laughs> um, so I, I, you know, you okay? They cut him off, make sure that's all right. Then I get there and I've got to cut this four iron, trying to get it up around the through about four pine trees and get it up down the right side of the green. I do that, get it through the pines. I hit a guy in the shoulder down the right side on the right rope right oh, line. wow. Uh, yeah, you're, yeah.
1: you're taking him out one by one. <laughs> two
2: for two. Two for two. Uh, this is awesome. So eventually I, I got 50 yards left. I pitch on make five. I get on the green and Chris DeMarco, he goes, he looks at me. You could kind of see, Greg, are you okay? I said, Chris, I don't know at the moment. I am, I'm pretty messed up, right? But how about this? This is where Augusta are brilliant, right? Because I finished my round. I said, look, i go got to check on this guy. They have his phone number. I call him up that night and they're like, Greg, we've sorted him out for tickets. Um, You know, make sure you give him a call, make sure he's okay. But just know he's good for tickets. If you want to send him something or blah, blah, blah. I was like, I mean, these guys are so good and so organized. It was unbelievable. I called him up, had a chat and he seemed to be okay. Um, so yeah, but that was my first and only experience at Augusta's to kick off. Wowzers. You know? yeah, well, what's
1: interesting as well, I've just looked up so you play with Christopher Marco, and it obviously really affected him on that round one that you were taking out every painting you could find because he shot 65. <laughs> right. He obviously, you yeah. obviously put him to rest, really, like you settled right. his nerves. Greg will be the guy who hits people. I'm just going to be the one in play today. You know what? You know, it was interesting,
2: Mark. Yeah. You know, it was interesting. I was, you know, two or three over early and, and then I started to play. Okay. But you buy into as a rookie, you buy into a lot of the folklore. And if it was just a regular tour event, it really wasn't like super firm. It was actually gettable that day. And, yeah. and I was, and I hit some shots and I'm like, dude, you could have just fired at that pin. What are you doing? Right. But you buy into the, no, you can't hit it there. Or no, so-and-so hit it there. You can't go there. And so it's sometimes that golf course, it's certainly the, that day you could have just taught, you could have just had at it. Right. It wasn't yeah. super firm and fast and it wasn't nasty. And yeah. so that was, and that was also pre lengthening everything. So it was actually quite good. Get- and cause that's how Chris
1: played it. He just went out and played golf. Yeah. And he served up 65. 65. You know, he, he must have been leading after day one. There, I think or he, if was, not, yeah. yeah, yeah, he was close to that. And just just that of interest, just on the last thing. Did you go in the clubhouse? Were you did you hang out in the clubhouse? You know I, I went in,
2: yeah. So we kind of try to sneak in family a little bit. So you're allowed, you get these eight passes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's all you get. And so we kind of kind of rotate, cheat the system a little bit, get people in to look around. Uh, yeah. I think I was sharing a locker with it might've been Michael Campbell, um, mm. you know, you, you share a locker with, you know, someone else. So um, yeah, I kind of spend, if you weren't, it was such a hard week to figure out, well, where do I go and hang out now? Yeah. yeah, you know, yeah. Like I don't yeah. want to leave, but I still want to be, have enough energy to play well. One of the most fun things I did, they had a rain delay on Tuesday and everyone after the rain delay, we didn't get on the golf course till about 11 o'clock. And everyone after the rain delay, they're kind of going to roll out on the first tee. And I said to my caddy, let's roll down the back nine. So we go play the back nine and I'm by myself. Now there's all these people on 11 and 12 tee who've been waiting for four hours for somebody to hit a shot. And I get on the 12 tee and I hit one shot and I start to walk away and this guy... No, you've got to hit another one. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we, we want seen to watch, any gold. Yeah, we've got to watch something. And I'm like, okay. Um, but yeah, it was, there was so many. It was one of those places where, look, I, I can't lead the golf course, but I have to lead the golf course, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. Um, really envious of guys who get to go there year in and year out, you know? And I know they appreciate it, but man, what a thrill. What a thrill.
0: Yeah, great. Have Star-force you? Story. Have you had any other rounds in your career where you've bloodied at least two spectators? I try not to, mate. Honestly,
2: <laughs> honestly, I, I just uh, it's not my favorite thing. I will say I carry it about 270 to uh, 280 in those days. Don't stand there, yeah, um, yeah. like <laughs> just don't. Um, you know, in those days too, it was pretty unlucky because I usually hook it and uh, that hurts a lot more. I'm pretty unlucky to get on the left side because I didn't hit many down the left in those days, but. uh, I don't think people
1: go up the left of first anymore. I don't think. Uh, No, no, probably not. You're right. I'm pretty sure they don't because I've been there to watch a few times and we, I've watched on nine and you cross nine. So you can go like, and you go three quarters of the start across through the bottom of the, you know, the dip of the first. And then you walk up around the right. You can't walk up there because you well, you can't, because you can't get the other side of the ninth tee. I know that. For right. So, right. Yeah. Yep. That's probably why. <laughs> <laughs> so that's just You're something welcome. that, that um, <laughs> yeah. us, the unicorns, you know, designed. Uh,
0: all the amateur <laughs> hacks like me that are listening, we cannot identify playing in an environment with you know fairways, rope lines of people on both sides going down and having to keep it in between there, otherwise you are going to hit somebody. It's just a feeling that uh, I don't know how I would cope with that. And it was interesting at uh, this year at the USM, I went there, I was at Oakmont, and on the final day, they the crowd control, let's just say, could have been a little bit better. and there were, a number of holes on that final Sunday where there are fans spectators on the right side in the fairway. I'm talking, they were a a, a yard in the fairway about 290 off the tee box. And I'm looking at them thinking you are, what are you doing? You're out of your mind. So anyway, I just can't, I can't, um, I can't, uh, I would hit a lot of people. I'll just leave it at that. And that would you make me been- so nervous. Did, did you, you ever get nervous be- with all the people on both sides?
2: Uh, it's, it, it's not something you, you, you get used to it. Like early on. Yeah. Yes. Like when yeah. I was an amateur playing the Australian open and things like that, and the camera might roll up because for some, whatever reason you're doing well, um, it's definitely something that's an, it's, it's almost uh, it's backwards in that the more you do it, the, the better you get at it. And so the hardest thing is if you don't do it very much and you get thrown in that situation, um that's actually harder than the guys who deal with it week in week out um and so that's an advantage i think that they have sometimes and i've always wondered what it would be like uh to be someone like a tiger or rory or someone super popular because the energy of that crowd can carry you on a day when you're not feeling super low or super good you know so that you can play up to that like and so that could be something that it'd be hard to quantify, but that I've always found that really fascinating because you get out the back where I am um, and I'm having a rough day. There's no one there, you know, so yeah, that can help, but uh, no, you get used to it. It's not something, um, it's something actually in a perfect world you'd crave. Right. That's, that's the best part. It's like, look at me, I hit a great shot. and, And, and that's, that's the atmosphere is, just awesome. I, I think that PGA in 2000, I hold a putt on the 12th green uh, when I finished fourth, and it got me within two of the lead. And my caddy said good putt, but I couldn't hear him. That was the loudest I've experienced personally with, from something oh, I've yeah. done where, where he's talking to me and I can only see his lips moving. And the, the jolt of energy and adrenaline is just – it, it makes you feel bulletproof, right? It's really cool. Um, and yeah, and good, to... good players crave that, right?
1: Sure. Yeah, I remember talking to Westwood about it and he made quite an interesting point. He said he hates it when the crowd is sparse because you notice everything. You notice every movement, every chat. You just notice and it puts you off. He said, but when it's packed, it all blends and there's noise. So it's like just noise constantly. So you don't hear the one person sneezing, talking. When it's like, you know, it's a very light crowd. You do start seeing like, can you stop moving? I can hear them talking. And he he said that was worse. He wanted it to be... Where they always just a blur, the crowd were just like multicoloured group of clothes and it wasn't individuals, which kind right, of really right. made sense. Mark, the I other had I'm oh, sorry,
2: I had one once. Um my rookie year I played with uh, I'll do a bit of name dropping. My rookie year, Chris Couch and I played the Pebble Beach with um Clint Eastwood and Michael oh, Bolton. wow, yeah. Yeah. And so oh, yeah. they put us in Michael the Michael Bolton. Yeah, yeah, he was with my the partner. mullet
1: or without the mullet.
2: Without, and uh, he was my partner. And, but anyway, so people would move in, because the, the group in front or two groups in front was Tiger and Omira playing with Ken Griffey Jr. and someone else. And the behind us was Duval and someone else playing with other superstars. So it was a sea of people. Yeah. But if Clint hit it offline, they would move towards it to get hit by the ball. Like it right. was, you know, I just got <laughs> wow. hit by Clint's ball. And the, yeah, fun, yeah. the funny part was... He must have heard, I conservatively, in a three-day period we played together, he must have heard, I want to say 300 times, go ahead, make my day, right? And every (laughs) single person thought they were the first person, right? And you could almost see a little piece of him just go, oh, (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> i remember i was in um i was at royal county down and we were following rory in pro-am he was playing in the irish open it was his event it was he actually missed the cut in it and but it was his event so you can imagine the crowds that were following him and we were literally we were inside filming and there were two the two stories of this one was the crowd one he had to walk from the ninth tee green to the tenth tee. And you go between a Dune and an, I think another tee, but basically it's like barely two people wide. And I went ahead of Rory, cause he was finishing off. So I, I went forward to get a good spot on tee to shoot him. And um, I remember what, and he was not five, it was like maybe like five people behind me. So the crowd was going mental. I remember just thinking, oh my God, this is beyond intense. Like, mm. cause they were both sides, Rory, 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 like hands out, like totally like encroached. I just remember thinking, wow like you have to get in a bubble when you talk about tiger not talking early he's there to win like -hmm. if you don't put yourself in those bubbles when you've got that fan base around you distractions would be crazy but also in the same event it was the pro-am he was playing in and the, the you can imagine the crowds patrick kilty i think he was a uk tv presenter was back then he probably still is a radio presenter like you talk about hitting people lou honestly i wanted to shout for before he hit every shot i have because it's pro-am day it's lined and he's playing with rory and oh my god like i literally wanted to stand on the team go can you just move back 50 because he Mm -hmm. will heal it right into your face there Mm -hmm. you're 50 yards off the tee um so yeah that must be uh a little worrying in the old Pro-Am days. You must have played a few prizes, Clint Eastwood as well. We can't let that go. Yeah, Clint, Clint Eastwood. That yeah. must have been amazing. Yeah, yeah. Awesome, it was a
2: cool experience. Cool experience. And he, he was, um, he, you know, he was who you'd think he'd be, you know, just super cool. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I played a Pro-Am once, one of my funniest ones. There's a guy I'm playing with, not, not a famous guy, but anyway, and they had this hole in one prize. It was a car. And it was supplied by him. He was the car dealer. And it was, the T t was up high. And then the the car was sitting on the next T down. So you couldn't hit this. You'd have to hit it under the ground. Unless, of course, you do what he did, which is hit it in the tree to the side and bounce right back onto the hood of the car and put a massive dent right in the middle of it. Right? (laughs) I was
1: like, all right, Uh, it's not getting that car. And he
2: goes, oh, that's
1: crazy. (laughs) Ensure the hole in one and ensure the car. Right, right. right. (laughs) Yeah. Good fun. Good. So, so we got two questions, but we've only got one left, Lou. Because you we used, got one left. Uh, yeah. Yes, yeah, so, because you used one on a question that we agreed we weren't going to ask. Yeah. Them. No. Yeah, this yeah. is our yeah. first big ten. We're learning yeah. as we go. So <laughs> the two questions: our biggest regret or best Greg Norman story. I want to know the best Greg Norman story or do what? What you choose which one you want to answer. Oh,
2: look, they're, they're both quick story in a sense. Like biggest regret. On, my biggest regret in a in one of my biggest regrets. Was I won the French amateur in 94? And those days you got to play the Lancome Trophy, right? Which yep. was a 63 man, really exclusive event at Saint Nom Le breteche right? Like out of Versailles. So, European tour event. I roll into uh, the airport at five in the morning. I'm on the first tee by eight o'clock Monday morning, right? I'm staying on the 17th tee in a lady's house as a billet. And uh, I roll down to the first, there's, it's the 25th anniversary of this golf tournament. And there's one guy on the tee no one else. And it's Arnold Palmer. Right. So I didn't have the balls to ask him for a game of golf. You know, I'm 19, 20 years old. I basically, I played that round. I didn't putt once. I just ran to the tee, watch him hit his tee shot, pick my ball up, ran to the tee, watch it. And you could almost see him sort of going, uh, you need to have, you know, you need to get some balls here and ask me to play. I think, you know, yeah. So that was one I'd like that was when, and when we, you know, we talked earlier about signing on to play with Arnold Palmer in the past. I'm like, okay, that'll fix that. I finally get to play with Arnold, <laughs> and no, I didn't. So he, it, that was that was a regret. I wish I had the courage to do that at the time. Um, I ended up playing two rounds with Lee Trevino that week. I went to a function that week. Arnold did a two-minute speech fully in French. I didn't know he knew French or if he wow. just practiced. Yeah, it was wow. a wild week. It was a really cool event. Um, but anyway, uh, the Greg Norman story, it, this was, uh, Greg was my hero. Sorry, or, sorry, just
1: before we yeah, go, go to go. Greg Norman, I want to give context to the, because I remember the Longcom Trophy and lots of people won't. I just think, because you've probably not heard of it. Have you, Lou, the Longcom no, Trophy? No, I haven't, yeah. So you got Arnold Palmer. These are the winners, right? Billy Casper, Gary Player, Seve, uh, Lee Chavino, Johnny Miller, Lee Chavino, David Graham won it twice, Sevy, Lyle, Price, Langer, Seve, Woosnam, uh, Ballesteros again, uh, Lazabel, Frank Nobolo, Mark Rowe, Ian Woosnam, Singh, Montgomery, parnavic O'Meara, like serious tournament, isn't it? That, I yeah, remember that one. Was a that great was, golf uh, tournament. Last year paid 2003. It's a shame, yeah, isn't it? It maybe? was a shame.
2: And it, it was a really It was like amazing winner. It was like yeah. their colonial, you know what I mean? Like it was yeah. that kind of event, you know, just really exclusive and you know cool event so you can
1: see that from the winners amazing yeah yeah, there. sorry greg norman story oh
2: yeah so that's the um you know the first time in my life i i was intimidated like truly intimidated um i'm playing with the it's the south australian open i'm a rookie pro 1996 i think been pro from 95 been a pro a year maybe at Mess. And I get drawn, one shot off the lead in this tournament, I get drawn with Greg Norman and Wayne Grady, two of my heroes in the second last group in the final round. First two holes are two par fives. I birdied the first, so did Greg. Greg didn't say anything, no problem. Second hole, I birdied the second hole, so does Greg. So now we're tied for the lead, right? And Greg looks at me and Greg's got this stare that like it can cut you in half. It was just a beautiful, <laughs> like icy blue he stares at me, but all he says is, hey, good birdie. But the manner in which it came was, if you make another birdie, I'm going to break you in half, right? <laughs> so I proceeded to bogey yeah. four of the next six holes and get back to where I was comfortable. But the funny part was, <laughs> right, he goes on wins a tournament. So fast forward a number of years later, 2012, Australian PGA. I'm doing a sit-down, three-ball three sit-down. Greg Norman, myself, I'd won the tournament the previous year sitting in front of a cocktail party, Greg Norman, myself, and Darren Clark. He was down because he'd won the, the open the year before. So we're doing this. And the guy who runs the sit down chat, he says, look, if you've got any stories you could tell, I said, Oh, ask me about, you know, Greg Norman's story. And I'll tell you that story. And when I told the story, I told it under the idea of, okay, Greg, what's it like to intimidate someone I've never done it. What's it feel like? Right. And when I finished that story, I turned to Greg And he's looking at me exactly the same way. And I said, that's it. That's the look you gave me, right? And and thankfully, Darren Clark down the end, he goes, Greg, I've intimidated people and it's effing fantastic, right? (laughs) Clark is so good. But yeah, that was, that was a good lesson to learn. And uh, I, I had, I thought to myself afterwards, okay, this is not going to work long-term We'll have to find better ways to deal with that. But yes, it was uh, <laughs> when you play with your hero and then you, you get those moments it's uh, it can be a little special. Yeah. It was.
1: Yeah. It was yeah. So, absolutely. So Great. Memories absolutely. Yeah. Love it. There you go. Lou, have you got any, I've got a Greg Norman story, Lou, what's your best Greg Norman story? Have you got one? I don't have any you're, Greg Norman. You're stories, not the only no. person in this pod without a Greg Norman. Story. Yeah. I want to hear your Greg Norman story. <laughs> <laughs> my Greg Norman story is odd and it's it's really odd in my family, but it probably won't translate that well out. But I'll tell you it. So when I had my first, my we, we were staying with my wife's parents because the house we're buying wasn't quite finished. So we stayed my wife's parents. Now, I live in Devon. So, uh, Greg, Devon is like the Shire. If you watch mm-hmm. Lord of the Rings, like it's the countryside. Yeah, like we've got seaside and countryside and those small little cities that are barely cities, they're towns. My wife's parents live in the countryside of the countryside. So they live on the moors, tiny, tiny little village. So we're up there staying in this little village. Um, And my wife's literally due like two days past due date. So she's literally popping with our first. so we go out for a meal one evening just me and her to so this tinier village than the village that they were in literally this village is a pub and three houses right but this pub's quite famous for doing good food so we go to this pub for food and i get up to go to the loo i had the loo and i walk past greg norman he literally walked straight past me and i think I know that's Greg Norman because I'm a golfer. And two things stood out with Greg when he walked past me, which you'll know. His eyes were bluer than blue. Like, I've never seen eyes that blue. Like, wow. If it wasn't Greg Norman, you would have stared at the guy thinking, oh, your eyes are blue. And he's three times wider than me. You know, like, he is, like, his shoulders. So the thing that really stood out, again, I I say, if it wasn't Greg Norman, you would have still looked at this guy thinking, oh, my God, that's, like a man do you know what I mean mm-hmm. like oh that's he's like a man's man so anyway we have our meal I go back and sit down after going to the wee and I said to the I went up and get a drink and I go to the barman that's Greg Norman isn't it and he was like yeah that that's Greg Norman he said it's a bit like that at this pub because there's a very like famous hotel like five miles down the road that lots of people oh, right. go to so then they go to this pub <laughs> I didn't know that at the time so I, I we go back to we have our meal finish the meal and literally that night my wife Gives birth to my first nice. So basically whenever she nice. says Greg, because she saw him as well It's literally mm-hmm. like there's Greg Norman, like she knows who he is. She's mm-hmm. our golfer because we she literally gave birth to our first on the night that we saw Greg Norman, literally next to a tree in the middle of nowhere on the malls in Devon. It was just so surreal, the whole thing. So Beautiful. there you go. That's my Greg Norman story. It was, it's, it's boring, but we like it, Lou. It's, it's like a family story there. Like <laughs> it's, a, family it's a great circle. Yeah, it's,
0: a, it's a great story. <laughs> I love it. I, I don't have one to
1: share. I wish I did. No, we'll we'll work on one for you. We'll work on one. Try and get you to yeah. There we go. There, Thank you, Greg. That was brilliant. Really enjoyed that. Thank you, man. Big 10. Appreciate it. Thank I you, feel Lou. like we know our co host our guest host, a little bit more now. Uh, you thanks go. for your answers. Thanks, Lou, as always. That was a fun episode, wasn't that it? That
0: was fun. It was great to learn more about our new co-hosts. Yeah, absolutely. Thank
1: you, guys. Thanks for, yeah, thank you. Thanks for listening, everybody. Um, let me know if you were to play in the next big BJ Tour event, how many people would you take down? Would you beat oh, <laughs> X record of two? <laughs> or not let us know in the comments as always leave those stars if you're enjoying the podcast leave reviews let us know how we're doing and we'll speak to you in the next episode